Hi there. Today you're listening to Fruit Pursuit with Mary Aldrich. This is a production of the Ultimate Christian Podcast Network. Join me as I share some practical applications of the fruit of the Spirit. Here is where you can learn tools to cultivate things like love when you find your son sitting in paint, joy while cleaning up the paint, and peace in more areas besides just hiding in the bathroom. Yes, it is possible to love God, love others, and enjoy it. Well, hello again. Welcome to Fruit Pursuit episode 29 called I Love My Husband. I think you're going to really enjoy this particular episode. Probably don't need to take a lot of notes, but sit back and relax and enjoy some funny stories and how these stories illustrate loving others in our life well. Today you get to hear a lot about how I have failed at loving my husband well in times past and some things that I've learned from it. So let's get one thing straight at the beginning. I love my husband very dearly and I know that he loves me, but sometimes in order for that whole lovey-dovey deal to work out, I have to get out of my own way. And I wonder if you can relate sometimes that Sometimes in this relationship business of loving others well, we become our own worst enemy. So today I want to talk about how we sabotage the meaningful relationship we say we want with somebody else. Why, why do we do this? We, we just really mess it up sometimes. I want to encourage you and just give a little plug for if you want to do more practical work around this particular subject, we do that in our mastermind. And I would love to have you apply for that. But today, I want to give you some clarity on why we sometimes don't have the relationship that we want. And I'm going to illustrate it by something silly that I used to do. Okay, so first of all, you need to know that I have a very strong stand about laundry. (laughs) I have hated laundry my whole life. It was the first chore that I decided I needed to delegate as soon as possible when I had children that could do it. And so laundry and I, we are not friends. And I am happy to say that most of the time, everybody in our family now washes their own clothes. So if you're that mom and you're swamped in laundry, I give give you just a little shout out. Way to go. And it doesn't last forever. They can wash that stuff themselves eventually. <laughs> All right. So when our children were little, well, when my son, Jonathan, that was the oldest one, when he was two and my son, James was one, we had Jefferson. So Jonathan and James are about 15 months apart and James and Jefferson are about 16 months apart, really close together. And so three kids, two and under, all in diapers and they were cloth diapers. We had the snazzy cloth diapers and I've talked about cloth diapers before. I know, but I'm going to go a different direction with it this time. They were the elastic bands with all the, with on the edges, you know, and they had the Velcro and some of the smaller ones had cute little adjustable snaps. They had cute covers. They were natural. We had cloth wipes. They had liners that we could put in them. I thought they were, I tell you, before I had my kids, I thought they were the most precious things on the face of the planet. And 
then after I had my babies, I realized that I had forgotten the gross part about having cloth diapers. So, of course, when you change a baby in a disposable diaper, the object of the game is to touch that thing as little as possible between the time that you begin to unwrap it and the time you chuck it in the garbage with relief. Cloth diapers, on the other hand, when they get dirty, you can't just chuck the whole thing into the washer like it is. No, somehow the poop has to come off. And so, well, at least the majority of the poop has to come off. And... So as a parent who chose the more natural cloth, cute diapering method, you get very familiar with the task of bending over the toilet and scrubbing out nasty poop diapers with your hands. I, I tell you, if there's somebody else that knows a magic trick of a way to get around having to hand scrub poopy cloth diapers, I would love to know what that magic trick is. But so far... I haven't found it, and I know a lot of other mamas out there that haven't found it either. All right, so when we had little boys, we had a system. We dump what we could in the toilet from the dirty diaper, and then we had a sink that actually didn't have the little drain plug thingy um, so that you could wash stuff out in the sink that even was a little bit chunky and it wouldn't stop the sink up. So we'd scrub them out in the sink to save our backs from having to bend over the toilet. So I thought I had arrived at the easy peasy thing to do with dirty diapers. Except for the part where I mentioned that there were three boys wearing the things. And as a result, I'm sad to say that the nasty diapers would pile up waiting for a good hand scrubbing. Now don't you go judging me immediately for not washing those things out. Number one, they were super nasty. And number two, I just have to ask you, have you ever tried to keep three little boys alive? It's not like once they're off the changing table, there's, there's, there's no guarantee that they aren't dead. So having three of them, one little baby and two people that could run around like crazy, Um, sometimes required that I had to wait and get to the diapers another time. And because they were in their bedroom, it wasn't going to be when they were sleeping. So it was a little tricky sometimes getting to the washing of the dirty diapers. Plus, let's face it, it's nasty. It's not something I look forward to. I had to talk myself into it. I didn't like it. So why not avoid it? Okay, back to the poopy diapers. So we get backed up on washing them out in the sink. They get stacked next to the sink and I would be so overwhelmed with other things because, hey, three kids under two, um, or two and under. I, and I'd see the diapers sitting next to the sink and think, oh, this is not what a good mother does. A good mom would not let these diapers back up like this. Can you just, just go with me for a minute and picture this little old lady with white curly hair and glasses, and she's sitting on her little settee, sitting in the corner, listening to this story and thinking, well, when I was a young mother, we never would have let those diapers sit like that. I would have hand washed them out in my bucket in the backyard and hung them up on the line. And well, so this is, this is the thing that I have in my mind. I could imagine this little lady sitting there. I did. Um, I'm, Embarrassed to say that there is a little old judgmental lady that lives in my head. I don't know who she is, but she's really bossy sometimes. Anyway, 
so much shame and feelings of inadequacy just would wash over me when I either would see the diapers or think about the diapers. Oh, it was so awful. I just, it was a fail. It was a mom fail on a regular basis and I couldn't figure out how to overcome it and keep people alive and fed and not rolling off furniture and all kinds of things. So now enter Brandon. Brandon would sometimes walk by the boys room. Brandon is my husband, by the way, for those of you who don't know me um, and are just listening to this podcast. So Brandon would walk by the boys room and catch the unmistakable whiff of the piled up dirty diapers. Oh, gross. And if I could see him when he was walking by, if I happened to be able to catch his facial expressions, I'd see his face contort slightly in disgust. And it would make me feel awful that they were still there. I would see him be offended by the dirty diapers and their stench and just feel ashamed. Now, sometimes he'd see them or smell them and then he would do this. He would roll up his sleeves and with a loud sigh, you know, one of the ones that goes, (sighs) and And maybe squirm his nose, but he would go over there and he would just dig into the project. Um, There are extra stars in heaven for husbands who deal with dirty diapers and are willing to do that with, even though it's super gross. I appreciate it. And I know that there are other mamas out there appreciating it as well. But anyway, he would settle into as comfortable a position as possible to save his back because there would be a lot and... Um, he's really tall, so he would like spread his legs out really wide so that it would, it would bring his center of gravity down lower so that his waist would be closer to the sink and he wouldn't have to bend over as far. So I, I would see him just sort of settle into that station at the sink, really like I'm committed to this whole stinking pile And sometimes it took a half an hour. Like, sometimes there was as many as 20 diapers backed up at that sink. And you can't just, like, wiggle it under the water and rinse. No. It's like a good, solid scrub beating whatever you... I mean, like, you got to get into it. And when he would be in there scrubbing the diapers, I would be mortified. (laughs) I would be so embarrassed, so ashamed that he was scrubbing those diapers because I felt like I should have been able to get to those and I just felt so inadequate. And there he is pointing out that I haven't done the gross thing that needed doing. And sometimes I would even be convinced that he had just proven how much I had failed as a parent in my job. Now, if you don't struggle with this, way to go lady. But this was me. This was something that I struggled with. And I know that there are other moms out there that do this thinking thing in their head and it's screwing up your relationship. So later, so that was the diaper thing. I carried this kind of shame feeling around laundry. I think it's partly because it was something that I really didn't like to do. And so there was an element of procrastination about it that I felt guilty about. And later this happened with regular laundry. We got smart and quit using dirty, uh, quit using dirty diapers. We quit using the cloth diapers when we had three kids in diapers. It was insane. And, um, but we obviously weren't sane enough to quit having kids. So after a while we 
and we had a pile of kids, we discovered that we had a huge pile of laundry also. Um, I don't regret having my kids. I love my kids. I'm, I'm so glad that we have every single one of them, but that is some kind of laundry that that many people create. And also nobody told me that new babies require you to wash everything in your house like three times more often than before. You think about a little baby and you get these cute little baby clothes and you like they're one inch big and you think, okay, I can wash everything in their whole wardrobe in one washer load and, and all of their blankets and towels and sheets and everything in the second washer load. It's like two extra loads of laundry a week. No big deal. Uh, -uh. That is not how it happens. And if you are a mama that has not had a baby yet and you're, you're headed that direction, can I just say, do not set yourself up for disappointment on laundry because when you go start washing that baby's clothes, you get to wash the baby's clothes, but you also get to wash your clothes three times more often because they spit and poop on you and you get to wash your sheets more often because they spit and poop and pee on their sheets and then they're on your bed and they do the same thing over there. And it just, it, it exponentially increases the laundry. So anyway, that's not how it works. <laughs> There's a lot of laundry. Now we had a laundry room and I could get my little kids to help change over the laundry. We had front loaders, so it's easy for them to pull out. They could, they could change it from the washer to the dryer that I even taught them how to put it in the washer that we had to work with, not overcrowding it, but, but they would do those things. However, the folding of laundry rarely stayed caught up. Uh, one, on many occasions, the pile of laundry that was clean and this is more often what happened for us. We could get it clean, but um, but it would be unfolded and all all in a big pile together. Sometimes it would be so much that the pile would reach from the counter to the ceiling of the room. I'm not even kidding. Um, it was like a, mm, I guess the counter was about five or six feet long, probably five feet long. And then, and so it would kind of mound up in the center to stay on the counter. Sometimes it would fall on the floor, but if it was all on the counter on the worst days, it was all the way to the ceiling. And of course, <laughs> as I'm thinking back, the pile actually had its own perks because there was a window right behind it that wasn't very well insulated. And so the laundry worked really well as insulation for the cold <laughs> coming in during the winter. Um, but I think I'm digressing. <laughs> anyway, up to the ceiling, lots of laundry. Um, and it wasn't unusual to find Brandon back there in his free time, folding things, sorting them according to whose they were. And I'm telling you, because I hadn't dealt with these voices of shame around laundry, they were so loud in my head that I would sometimes feel completely convinced that the sole reason he was back in that laundry room was to prove to me that I wasn't doing my job. And so he had to. And I'd even sometimes tell him to quit and stop trying to point out my inadequacies. Just let me do it. Leave it alone. I'll get to it. You don't have to rub it in that I'm falling behind. And of course, he thought I was nuts. I was a totally insane, crazy person because that wasn't what he was meaning at all. It happened with the dishes too. Every Saturday morning, he sleep. He would sleep in. This was an agreement that we made. And I would be up with the kids 
I'm just basically kind of trying to do the smallest amount of t- stuff possible while I was up so I could pretend to rest. And then when he would finally get up at like 10 or 10.30, he'd come downstairs and immediately start cleaning up my mess before he would make his breakfast. And I tell you, I could not handle it. I'd feel so guilty for having left the dishes that morning, the food, the mess, the whole time. And he was trying to make his breakfast, but he wouldn't just make his breakfast. He had to, in my, from my perspective, it felt like, no, he can't just come in and make breakfast. He's got to point out how I left a big mess and do a bunch of work to show me that I needed to be done, that, that needed to be done before he would make his meal. And on more than one occasion, I'd snip, can't you just make your breakfast instead of pointing out that I haven't cleaned up my mess? Of course, the worst moments were when he would sigh or grunt or roll his eyes and I would get so mad. How dare he act all passive aggressive and bossy and for for me, it seemed like, like he was just being so mean. And yet I know now that inside his head, it was just, oh, this is the next thing that needs to be done. And it wasn't an attack on me at all. He was just noticing the next thing that needed to be done and he was digging in and he was willing to do it. It was a form of love for him. It was the unconditional love. This is me loving my wife when I don't feel like doing it. So I'm going to do it anyway. Um, Of course, now it's so obvious on this side of things how much I let my own feelings of inadequacy get in the way of being grateful for his help. It's downright ridiculous. I mean, laughable even. I laugh at it now. But at the time, it was not funny, and I could not see it for a long time. So how often do we get in the way and sabotage our help in this way? Maybe it's our own feelings of inadequacy like I did that drive a wedge, or perhaps it's nitpicking details that they the other person doesn't get right, or they do it differently, or they do it differently even after you told them that it needs to be done a certain way. And they still do it differently. And so we start to interpret that as they don't care about us. They don't love us. They don't, um, they don't care enough to listen. All these different things that we make up in our head. I encourage you to consider, are you sabotaging the very things that you long to have? This is something that gets in the middle of loving each other well and drives a wedge between us. I'm telling you when, when I had all those little bitty bitty kids, I desperately wanted his help. I needed it. I needed team players, but the honest truth is I could not get out of my own way to let him help me and experience his love from it at the same time. Can you? Loving other people, well, can involve letting them love us and then saying thank you, even if it wasn't the exact way that we wanted to be loved. Or even if we're experiencing shame around it, if we can acknowledge that what they're trying to do is love us, then we, we get off of the shame that's in our own head and we, and we listen to the 
we believe them. We listen to them and the, the actions that they're taking and believe that they meant them for good. So here's your one next step. Are there any areas in your relationship that you're sabotaging? Is it possible that you're making up reasons for why someone is doing something or not doing something that isn't true? I encourage you just to consider the possibility and begin to notice. You don't have to be fully convinced of this. You can just, quote, try it on. Um, one of my mentors years ago said, just try it on. Like you go to the store and you try on clothes to see if it fits right. Just try this idea on and consider is there an area where you might be sabotaging it, making it difficult for other people to love you and making it difficult for you to express love to them because you're letting your own feelings of guilt get in the way of how you interpret what they're doing. Of course, as I mentioned in the beginning, we have all sorts of tools to help with this process and how to move past it in the mastermind. And you can apply for that at maryaldrichcoaching.com slash apply. But while you're signing up for that, consider one way that you could be try- that you could be tying your own hands. How might you be interpreting somebody's generosity and love as an attack instead of love? And what one next step will you take today to love that person well? Hey, listen, next week we're going to discuss another aspect of loving well. We're going to talk about two different aspects of curiosity and how they can light a fire in your relationship that helps it grow exponentially. And how you can change the whole dynamic of everything between you and another person in just one or two sentences. So I'm really excited to be in this month of focusing on the fruit of the Holy Spirit love with you. And I look forward to catching up with you next week as well. Until next time. Take care and love God, love others, and enjoy it. You've been listening to Fruit Pursuit with Mary Aldrich, a production of the Ultimate Christian Podcast Network. To hear more great ways of growing your mindset in the fruit of the Spirit, please subscribe. You can listen to other episodes and find additional resources at fruitpursuitpodcast.com. To learn more about Mary Aldrich and the coaching work she is so passionate about, visit MaryAldrichCoaching.com. And by the way, what one next step are you taking today?